Here we go, episode 26. This is a song I wrote called, um, what's it called? What I call it? Uh, Desperation TM, as in trademark. Here we go. <clears throat> Puritanical, mechanical, imperial, can I employ you to try a sample of our brand new line? Keeps you numb, keeps you coming, keeps you going, young and thin despite your sedentary lifestyle. It's not heroin, it's not speed, it's not even LSD, it's none of the above, and it's nowhere near as fun. It's called desperation. Till you fade into the background Noise the world is overpopulating So we need more toys 80 hours a week Still won't put shoes on your feet But we got something to keep you from weeping It's not cocaine, it's not weed It's not even ecstasy It's none of the above And it's nowhere near as fun It's called desperation Have a dream about things could be another way. Your voice will start cracking, cause you'll just wanna scream. You know what you wanna do, but you don't have the opportunities. While your so called friends are all out making memories, but all seems so easy when you're born into the right clicks. When you got the right jeans and shiny, shiny shoes. Still at square one dose in desperation You're still at square one dose in desperation Fly the coop, go abroad, choose a pot of gold Before you know it, you're growing old Nearly forty, oh good lordy, will today be the day Where you wait for the day like yesterday You've done all you needed to Part-time job, serving food Received a million rejections Desperation Botanical, mechanical, imperial, can I employ you to try a sample of a brand new line? Keeps you numb, keeps you coming, keeps you going, young and thin because you can't afford to eat. It's not heroin, it's not speed, it's not even LSD, it's none of the above, but it keeps you going on. I think it's called delusion. Yeah, that's a song I wrote. Um, messed up a little bit, but that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. It's kind of a tricky song for me. And it's kind of tricky playing this whole new element with the microphone and everything in front of me. For so long, I've wanted to be a musician. For longer than I ever got into acting. Well, I guess I kind of always wanted to be a performer of any type. But I was definitely heavy, heavier into music long before I got heavy into acting and writing, got serious about it, that is to say. Um, I'm a little sick, so that's why my voice sounds kind of fucked up. But I can still sing. And uh, if that ain't a sign that, you know, I've got superpowers, special abilities to sing, then I don't know what else. But speaking's a little scratchy uh, i've got some sinus allergy problems and i've got drainage man it's it feels like there's sandpaper running down my throat but uh here i am
and there you are, and here we are together. Wow. Welcome to episode 26 of That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II. Yes, that's me. Let me get situated real quick. Excuse me. All right. So, the last episode was entitled Yogi Philosophy. And I, I, I stole the title from the title of this book, which the episode was kind of about, um, which is 14 Lessons in Yogi Philosophy by Yogi Ramasharaka. And I've been trying to think of how to pronounce Ramasharaka. Is, is it Ram? Ramasharaka? Or is it Ramasharaka? Or is it Ramasharaka? Like I've been saying, it's probably not Ramasharaka, but watch, it might be. And if, if in case you missed the last episode, the name of uh, the yogi Ramasharaka is actually a pseudonym for an, a guy whose real name is uh, something I'm about to look up. Yogi... I really did not um, prepare for this as well as I had hoped I would, but William Walter Atkinson is the name of the real guy, William Walter Atkinson. Um, he, that is Yogi Ramasharaka, and Yogi Ramasharaka is William Walter Atkinson. Now, the last episode I named part one, mostly because I didn't get into the book as much as I intended to. And so that's what this episode is about. I'm going to get into the book itself. I'm going to read some stuff to you. But before we get into that, let me take care of some business. I, uh, If you're watching this on YouTube, and if you haven't done so already, please uh, subscribe to my YouTube channel. Then and hit the little bell icon next to the subscribe button so you can get notifications whenever I upload new videos. And, uh, you know, I, I put at least one video out a week. That's usually my thing, one episode a week. Um, yeah. So, and, 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 you know, like the videos you like, as in, you know, hit the like button, write a comment. And uh, share the show with your friends if you enjoy it. And you know anyone else who might enjoy it, check it out. And um, let's see what else. I have a Patreon account. If you want to donate to the show, I, I have uh, already have a donor. Uh, he's been with me since the very beginning of this show. Josh, my man, you are my personal hero. Thank you so much for your support, and thank you to everyone who has supported this show, who's watched it, who's sent me emails, words of encouragement, anything. Thank you all for watching and supporting and joining in this experience. And, uh, well, if you want to donate so I can keep the show going and so I can uh, save up money to get um, better equipment and to keep producing more and better content and uh, to get more guests and stuff like this. If you want to donate, you may do so at my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash that thing with James. Um, the details of this stuff will be in the the description. You know, there'll be links and stuff like that for all this stuff I'm talking about in this business segment. Um, but yeah, patreon.com slash that thing with James. You can donate. It's a monthly donation sort of thing. And I have it set up from different tiers ranging from $1 per month all the way up to $15,000 per month. If you have fuck you money, or if you're just really poor at money management, or if you're or if you're just like really generous and you want to go destitute and be like, you know, I'm going to fucking gamble on this James guy. I'm going to give him all the $15,000 I have in my bank account. And a percentage of that is going to go toward Patreon, but then James will get the rest, the remainder, which is a larger percentage. Um, let's see. I've done YouTube, Patreon. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at James J. Asher, J-A-M-E-S-J-A-S-H-E-R. 
Yeah, so James J, has in the letter J, Asher. And um, if you're audio, please uh, rate and review the show. All this stuff helps me get some kind of traction so I can get more viewers, so I can maybe get some more suggestions for things to talk about on the show. If you have any suggestions for some subject for me to talk about, if you have some musings you've been thinking about that you want to share, if you have any questions personally, or if you're in search of advice, you may email me at my podcast email, which is thatthingwithjames at gmail.com, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. And uh, I'll answer your stuff and get back to you. I've actually got a, uh, a viewer question that I'm going to get to today um, after the stuff with the book and uh yeah so that's all good am i missing anything else let's see i've done youtube subscription patreon um audio rate and review social media and email and i think that's the stuff oh i've got a website that's right jamesjasher.com i've got a blog there you can go way way back from see some writing exercises and musings i did essays i did before starting this show um and you can also get my agent's contact info on my contact page of my website. Or if you want to contact me directly, just email me at thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. Now, uh, let's get into the show. Oh, let's get into the show. Oh, 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 let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Magical things are happening in my life involving this show well involving everything but it, it i have video evidence of something abnormal perhaps paranormal on the last episode episode 25 the part one of yogi philosophy if you go to minute 56 i will be talking about something that I was, I guess, reading uh, either from the book or about William Atkinson, Yogi Ramacharaka himself. And uh, at go to minute 56, and a few seconds in, you will see two light anomalies. It was right around here if you're watching right around here if you if you're this is if you haven't seen the video of the show you got to go to the youtube channel and check it out minute 56 at the bottom right of the screen there is very lightly you will see a a little orb of light travel from it starts somewhere around the vicinity of my head i do believe i've been having difficulty tracking it because i've been recording on not the best resolution so i'm recording this video on a higher resolution um but this orb of light that i noticed it starts around my head i think it might have come out of my mouth as i was talking about um energy healing prana uh, like spiritual healing stuff like this stuff that's in the book i was talking about that and like right after i say the word spiritual healing wow yeah that's so cool oh that's so wow something to that effect you look down there like minute 56 maybe uh, two to three seconds in you will see a little orb of light float by on the bottom right of the frame a little orb of light float by and I even, if you go to my social media accounts on my Instagram account, you will, if you look back, you'll find a one minute video of me videotaping the video of me finding that orb of light, that light anomaly. And, and the thing is the next day I, I upload, when I uploaded that video to, to my social media, I noticed that there was a second orb of light that appeared before the one that I first noticed. So the second one starts like right over here. If you're watching, it starts off to my left and the bottom right of the screen. It just like appears out of nowhere and then travels upward. And then the second one, like immediately after the first one disappears, kind of like comes out of my mouth or somewhere around there and floats down past the microphone and off to my left, which would be off to 
um, camera right, so the right side of the screen that you're watching, you'll see a bottom right. It travels off to the right. But there's two orbs of light that appeared after I was talking about prana and energy and spiritual healing and shit like that. And so the thing is, these weren't bugs, man. These were not insects. These were very much light anomalies, small orbs of light that appeared out of thin air and floated and disappeared into thin air. What the fuck, dude? Now, Emily and I, my girlfriend Emily, we are fans of this show called Ghost Adventures. It gets made fun of a lot, and we make fun of it a lot. It's easy to make fun of. Um, if you're unfamiliar with it, check it out. Ghost Adventures. It's a uh, show on the Travel Channel. It's been around for years. Um, but the main guy's name is Zach Bagans. And he and his friends were all from Las Vegas. They go ghost hunting. And the show started off um, from a documentary they made. They made like a... 45, 50 minute documentary that you can find online. I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. They made a documentary before the show, the TV show started with their own money. They got video cameras and, uh, went on a ghost hunting place to this place that they heard was haunted. And some shit happens, man, that you can't explain. And they sure as fuck did not have enough money to fake the stuff that happened. Like, a brick flying through the air or heavy pieces of wood falling down and shit like that. And one of the things that's great about that documentary and especially about the earlier episodes of the TV show Ghost Adventures is that they go through a pretty rigorous um, um, process of vetting, trying to debunk these um, anomalies that they record on, on video camera, on electric voice recorders, um, and through other means like EMF detectors, other things like they've got all sorts of cool Ghostbusters devices, um, without necessarily the ghost trap, but they've got a lot of cool devices, um, that other like, um, paranormal researchers create these inventors. It's a really fun sort of thing. And who knows? Some of the stuff does seem fake. There's definitely other ghost hunting shows that do present fake shit. But, um, and I'm, I'm a skeptical person, you know? I'm agnostic. I'm open to the idea, but I'm also open, I'm open to, paranormal things being a reality, but I'm also open to the idea of it just being a scam or anything else fake. I'm open to either way. I remain skeptical until I'm presented with some kind of evidence or reasoning that seems like, you know, that makes sense. I'll buy that. And so one of the things that they capture on the show are what they call light anomalies, and they are orbs of light. And they will, you know, zoom in, they'll do whatever to try to replicate any kind of weird lighting effect. If there was a lens flare of some type or a reflection off of something, or did they cast a shadow? Was there like traffic outside light coming in or something? Uh, was it a bug of moth or something flying around. They'll go through the whole um, gamut or is it gambit? I think it's gamut of, you know, trying to debunk and disprove these weird anomalies. And if they can't disprove it, well, it's like, well, we captured something we can't explain. Well, those light anomalies are exactly like the two light anomalies that appeared at minute 56, the last episode of this show. And I, now I don't know if it, is it ghosts? Is it something else? Is it my prana, my, my life energy, my chi? I mean, I'm fairly fucking certain there's ghosts or something coming through this house on the regular and maybe a couple residents or at least one resident. 
Sometimes nice, sometimes not so nice, the vibes I get. But when I was editing the last episode, I was, you know, going through and syncing up the audio with the video and um, adding in just whatever, taking out stuff, adding stuff in. I noticed in the corner of my eye on the playback, something fly by. And I was like, wait, is that a, what the hell was that? A bug? Did I just see something? So I roll it back and I played it. And that's when I saw that light orb go by the one I see. I didn't notice the first one yet because it's a little more translucent. So it's a little more difficult to see. And it's not there for quite as long. It, it appears and goes up and disappears. But the, the second one, which happens to be the first one I noticed, I saw that fucking thing, man. And my nerves, my body just went like, and it wasn't like a fearful panic sort of a thing. I just got this like buzzing feeling through my, uh, all of my nerves. And, uh, and this like, I got really emotional. I felt like someone was standing see i was in the apartment alone at this time this was like last saturday at like 11 p.m i was alone at the apartment emily was gone to work and i i went back to see if i was just seeing things and no i went back and i saw that light anomaly and my my nerves started buzzing and everything and i got this like overwhelming feeling of love now, I'm not going to say for sure if it was like, you know, Jesus's love pouring into me. I'm not going to say that stuff. I'm just going to tell you what I experienced physically, firsthand experience. I got the nerves buzzing and vibrating, and then I felt an overwhelming sensation of just love just like pure love washing over me. And I also at the same time felt the presence of someone standing feet behind me, some feet behind me next to the closet. Now I've talked about the closet on here before. There's something up with that closet. It's like, I don't know if I had to guess and you know, I'm sure this is going to sound crazy. Yes, I understand. But I, I reiterate, I'm agnostic about these things. I'm not saying one way or another. I'm just relying on my experience, my firsthand experience. There's something up with the closet. I frequently feel like there is a presence there, a, a person or something, some conscious presence, conscious presence in that closet. Like there's some kind of portal between, I don't know, dimensions or something between here and the mirror dimension or, or between various, um, you know, wavelengths of, of, of matter, you know, different frequencies of existence or something i don't fucking know man i don't know i've probably lost so many people right now talking about this stuff they're like this guy's fucking crazy but then maybe i'm gaining some more followers or something like saying yeah this is the shit keep talking about it that was a fucking alien from Sirius, man i don't know i'm not saying all the any of this stuff again all i'm saying is firsthand experience i felt i saw that orb of light and the playback and i recorded it again on my camera for a close-up view of it and my so i could capture it and say you know share it so i don't have to fucking share the whole fucking video or edit it again i just filmed it filmed the rec i recorded a recording of the light anomaly and i saw it and i felt someone standing behind me not directly behind me but feet behind me where the closet is guys i'm sick i'm i'm hot i'm sorry i'm repeating myself but um i don't know how to f I, will, I i know what i feel i just don't know how to make sense of it like was that a ghost was that a fairy was it anything else you know, people in Iceland believe in fairies, from what I understand, like legit. And you know, 
I'm down with that. I'm not going to say, oh, they're wrong. That would be hubris to say for sure that there aren't fairies. You don't know. You don't fucking know. You don't even know what you don't know, man. Let me check the time. Hold on. <laughs> I did it. I need to uh, take a water break. Okay, I'll be right back. I'm back. Now, last week, before I even started editing the episode, syncing the audio and the video, which was before I noticed that light anomaly, I noticed something else odd about this microphone right here. See, the gain, there's a knob on the back that controls the gain, and I usually have it set at 25%. And I had it indeed set at 25% while I recorded the last episode. And I don't touch the knob, you know? And after I was done recording, I was putting all my equipment away. And when I, I picked up this microphone to set it back to its home on my desk, I noticed that the, the gain was set at 75%. Why the hell would it be set at 75%? See, I, there's no way I would have touched it. Because I don't, one, I, I did not mess at all. I didn't touch the gain at all until before I recorded. And I checked it before I got into the episode to make sure, yes, it was at 25%. And it was at 25% through the whole recording. But when I picked it up, I picked it up from its base, which is separate than the microphone itself. I picked it up from the base, not touching it. And I just kind of noticed in passing, wait. The gain knob is at 75. That's 50% higher than I had it set at. And I didn't touch it. Why the hell is it at 75? And I didn't really think anything of it. So I just turned the gain back down to 25% and put the microphone and its home on my desk. And I proceeded to edit the episode. And it was not until... Uh, Next Monday, a couple days later, that I remembered, oh wait, what the fuck was up with that? I, I saw those orbs of light, and then after the episode, I like went to the bathroom and then came back and picked up the microphone and saw that the gain had changed on its own. I guarantee you, a hundred percent, I have, unlike our president, who, who will guarantee you that he has a great memory, and I assure you he doesn't. I'm telling you, I've got a great memory, and I do have a very good memory. The best memory. I didn't touch it, man. How did it fucking move? Weird stuff going on, my friends. Weird stuff. Now, I said I was going to get into this book. Let's get into it, huh? All right, here we go. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want to read a part that... I read when I opened it up, when I first found the book, I talked about last week, how I was just, I was looking for a copy of Dune and I saw this book sitting on top of it and I grabbed it cause I forgot I had it. And I saw one of the pages was dog-eared. So I opened it up to this page and uh, let's see here. Let's see here. No, no, that's not where I opened it up. There was another one. I just passed by it, people. Okay, here it is. I'm going to read this. This was um, chapter whatever. It's the seventh lesson of 14 Lessons in Yogi Philosophy by Yogi Ramasharaka. The seventh lesson, human magnetism. Human magnetism as the term is used in these lessons, is a very different thing from that which the public generally terms personal magnetism. Personal magnetism is an attribute of the mind and belongs to the, to the subject of the dynamics of thought. Human magnetism, on the contrary, is a manifestation of prana and belongs to that part of the general subject. Mind you, 
this book was first published in 1903. So this was all written in 1903, okay? Um, the term human magnetism is a poor one, but like many other such terms, is used for want of a better one, and to avoid the coining of new terms which would likely uh, which would be likely to confuse the student. The Sanskrit contains terms perfectly fitting each phrase of the subject, which terms have come into use as the knowledge of the subject grew. And such will be the case as the knowledge of this philosophy of the Orient becomes more generally known to the Western people. New terms fitting to the subject will spring into general usage, and the confusion which now exists will cease. We prefer the term human magnetism to that of animal magnetism, as the latter is generally confounded with some manifestations of mesmerism. But this human magnetism is not the sole property of man. Uh, can you hear that ambulance? I'll let it pass. This is such a noisy neighborhood. All the fucking time. Okay, here we go. Um, but this human magnetism... Oh, there's another one. Alright, I'm going to keep going. But this human magnetism is not the sole property of man, for the lower animals possess it in a degree. There is this difference, however. Man is able to consciously direct it by his will and through his thought, while the lower animals use it more or less unconsciously and without intellectual aid or under the control of will. Both the lower animals and man constantly throw off this magnetism or pranic energy unconsciously, but the developed or physical, ed physically educated man has the force under his control and can either repress it to a great extent or throw off greatly increased quantities of it and may also direct it to any place or spot. He can also use it in connection with his thought waves in order to give the same a greater carrying power and strength. At the risk of being charged with needless repetition, we wish to impress upon your minds that this pranic energy or human magnetism is a very different thing from thought force, quote-unquote thought force or any exhibition of the power of thought, except that it may be used in connection with thought waves, as above stated. It is merely a blind force of nature, just as is electricity or similar forces, and may be used consciously or unconsciously, intelligently or unintelligently, wisely or foolishly. It has no uh, intelligent action except as directed by the mind of its user. Quote, human electricity, uh, end quote, would be a far more appropriate name for, for it than human magnetism, for it resembles electricity far more than it does magnetism. 1903, folks. With the with this explanation, we will continue to use the term magnetism, asking you always remember just what we mean by the term. Human magnetism is a form of pranic energy. We have said some little about prana in our first lesson. Prana is the universal energy and is found in varying forms in all things animate or inanimate. All forms of force or energy are but manifestations of prana. Electricity is a form of prana. So is the force of gravitation or gravity. This was, mind you, written and published before Einstein wrote and published his special theory of relativity, which has a lot to do with gravity, people. 
so is the force of gravitation, so is human magnetism. It is one of the seven principles of man and is found in a greater or lesser degree in all human organisms. Man extracts prana from the air he breathes, the food he eats, the fluid he drinks. If he be deficient in prana, he becomes weak and lacks vitality, quote unquote, as the term goes. When his supply of prana is sufficiently large for his needs, he becomes active, bright, energetic, and, quote, full of life. We have given directions regarding the acquiring and storing up of prana by means of breath in our book, The Science of Breath, and will give directions for its best absorption through food and fluids in our forthcoming book, Hatha Yoga. There is a great difference in the amount of prana absorbed and stored up by different persons. Some are surcharged with prana um, uh, and radiate it like an electrical machine, causing all others with whom they come in contact to feel increased health, strength, life, and vigor period. Others are so deficient in prana that when they come into company of other persons, their depleted condition causes them to draw upon the pranic supply of magnetism of the others, uh, the result being that the other person persons so drawn upon are apt to feel uncomfortable and weak after the interview. Some people are practically vampires and live upon the magnetism of others unconsciously, usually, although some have acquired the knowledge that they may live on others' strength in this way and practice their wicked arts consciously. This conscious use of their power is a form of black magic and is attended with certain psychic penalties and punishments, but no one can be thus drawn upon either by the unconscious demand of others or by conscious design after they have once learned something about this human magnetism and its laws. Human magnetism or pranic energy is a most potent therapeutic force and, in one form or another, it is found in the majority of cases of psychic healing. It is one of the oldest forms of natural healing and may be said to be almost instinctive in the race. A child who has hurt itself or who feels pain at once runs to its mother who kisses the hurt part or places her hand on the seat of the pain and in a few moments the child is better. When we approach one who is suffering, it is very natural for us to place hands on his brow or pass our hand over him. This instinctive use of the hand is a form of conveying magnetism to the afflicted person who is usually relieved by the act. The holding of a babe to its mother's bosom is another instinctive act for the same purpose. The mother's magnetism goes out, propelled by her loving thought, and the child is soothed, rested, and strengthened. Human magnetism may be thrown off from the system by means of, desire, of a desire or thought, or it may be more directly passed to another by means of the hand, contact of the body, a kiss, the breath, and similar ways. We will speak of this matter again in our eighth lesson on occult therapeutics. It is impossible to give a plain, clear explanation of just what this human magnetism is unless we go into the deeper occult teachings which are not fitted for the beginner. To tell what human magnetism is, we must explain what prana is, and in order to tell what prana is, we must go right to the root of the matter and discover the true nature and origin of quote-unquote force something which modern physical science has failed to do. Oh, but quantum physicists are finding out things that s sound 
oddly similar in description and behavior of these sorts of things, which I find interesting. I find interesting, my friends, we're using different languages and different equations, different vehicles and different techniques and approaches to defining the same thing that humans have been talking about for thousands of years. We're just talking about it in different languages, math, um, occult teachings, so on and so forth. You know, Aleister Crowley, shit like that. If you don't know who Aleister Crowley is, look him up. Okay, onward, my friends. Blah, blah, blah. Force, something which modern physical science has failed to do, but which the deeper occult teachings are able to explain, at least to those who have reached that stage of understanding by slow, laborious, and gradual steps. It may be urged that we are expecting too much when we ask students to accept as truth the statements that there exists such a thing as human magnetism or pranic energy at all, when we cannot explain its real nature. Replying to this objection, we answer that there are many things which may be proven proven by their observed effect, although the thing itself cannot be explained in plain terms. Take electricity or magnetism, for instance. Magnets, how do those work? That's a little insane clown posse reference for you, my babes. Check out the song, just Google ICP magnets, and you will watch a fucking music video that will just It'll, it'll get you off. If you need to get off of that, we'll get you off in a spiritual, intellectual way, my friends. Magnets. How do those work? Everything's fucking beautiful. Onward with the book. Uh, take electricity or magnetism, for instance. We have their existence clearly proved to us every day by their effects. And yet physical science tells us very little that can be understood about their real nature. Now, electricity, we're starting to understand. And, and gravity, we understand. We have recorded it. I've talked about that before on here. However, um, magnets, I've yet to find a good... Uh, explanation of how magnetism works. <laughs> I've read some other articles trying to explain it, and I was like, you're still falling short. You're not really explaining anything. You're just talking about how these properties work, but you're not saying like why or how it happens, per se. Anyway, anyway, um, da, 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 da. Um, understood about their real nature. And so it is with other exhibition of pranic energy, human magnetism. We look to its effects for proof rather than try to solve the mystery of the common source of all forms of force, prana. But we have had it urged that whereas we can easily observe the effects and outward manifestation of electricity and magnetism, there are no such effects. Um, uh, and manifestations of human magnetism or pranic energy. This objection has always amused us when we remember that every movement of the body, from the mighty effort of the giant to the quiver of an eyelash, is a direct effect and manifestation of this human magnetism or pranic energy. Physical scientists call this thing, quote, nervous force, end quote, or similar names, but it is the same thing that we have called human magnetism, a form of pranic energy. When we wish to raise a finger, we put forth an effort of the will if the desire be a conscious one, or an effort of the instinctive mind is the desire to be subconscious. Uh, and such a supply of human magnetism is sent to the muscles controlling the movement of the thing finger, the finger, the finger. The muscles contract and the finger raises. And so it is with every movement of the body, both the conscious and subconscious plane of effort. Every step we take, every move you make, every breath you take, every wank you make, I'll be pooping in your pillow when you're asleep and you're going to lay in it and you're going to smell it. And that stink is going to stay with you, my babe. That's a song by the police. 
by uh, Interpol, that is uh, Sting, which is related to the bees question I'm going to get to in later. Bees, bees, not the bees. Every step we take is caused by the same process. Every word we utter is produced in this same way. Every tear we shed obeys the law. Even the beating of the heart responds to the supply of human magnetism propelled in this last case by the command of the instinctive mind. The magnetism is sent over the nerves just as is a telegraph message sent over the wires leading from the central office to all parts of the land, and the nerves are its telegraph wires, and the current in the body always travels over those wires. And just as, until very recent, until a very recent time, it has been thought impossible for messages to be sent without wires, so to this day do the physical scientists deny that human magnetism, which they call nervous force, can be transmitted except over these wires from the nervous system. Uh, and just as the scientists have recently discovered that, quote, wireless telegraphy, end quote, is a possibility and a working truth. Check this shit out. If you're watching, you can see this. I'm wearing a shirt with Nikola Tesla on it. I love Nikola Tesla. It says Tesla on it, and it has like a an illustration of Tesla holding a like Tesla Ray gun with a pigeon on his shoulder because he fell in love with and had a deep connection with a pigeon before he died. It's a long story. But he invented radio waves, Nikola Tesla, and he was really into this kind of stuff. I guarantee you, man, I know, I don't know for sure, but I would be very surprised if Tesla was not familiar with Yogi Ramasharaka, nor with the concepts of prana. I recently came across some stuff, I guess, saying like, God damn, I hope I don't sound like Alex Jones. I recently came across something. I've heard the argument. I haven't looked into it, but I've heard the argument that Tesla was like into Buddhism, mysticism, and the occult. It would make sense. Because um, he, he had some pretty far out ideas that kind of they've proved themselves. So we wouldn't have cell phones. We wouldn't have radio right now. He created radio waves and alternating current and so many other things. Fuck Thomas Edison. Fuck Thomas Edison. Okay. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, ba -ba -ba -ba. Wireless telegraphy is a possibility and a working truth. So have the occultists known for centuries that this human magnetism can be transmitted from person to person through the astral atmosphere without the need of wires or nerves. Have we helped you form a clearer idea of human magnetism? So on, so forth. There are more pages left, but I think you get the idea. I'm going to keep that there and uh, I'm going to take another quick break, another water break, and I'll get into the final trimester of this show. Be right back. I'm back. Uh, so how do I wrap this all up? I've been talking about Nikola Tesla, Yogi Ramasharaka, and there's a couple other people I want to bring up. Um, one, two writers, one named Philip K. Dick and another one named Robert Anton Wilson. Now, Philip K. Dick, Robert Anton Wilson, and Nikola Tesla all had very odd but similar experiences. So I was reading about this. There, there's a great book by Philip K. Dick. If you have not heard of Philip K. Dick, I assure you, you have. And if you haven't heard of his works, I assure you, you have. He wrote, um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Which was a story that was adapted into a film entitled Blade Runner. He wrote Blade Runner. 
He wrote A Scanner Darkly. He wrote The Man in the High Tower. He wrote The Minority Report. Or Minority Report. He wrote a lot of different things that have been turned into movies in the last several years of his life. He was he became extremely prolific and he died rather young. I think he died just shy of 50 years old. Philip K. Dick did, but one of his best books, in my opinion, is one called Valis. Valis is an acronym. V-A-L-I-S, which stands for Vast Active Living Intelligence System. Valis is kind of, um, when I read the book, in, in the book, which is a fiction, which was also based off of some nonfiction stuff that he experienced, um, Valis is something... The way he described it is the way that I personally describe or believe what some people call God. Some people call God, I call it uh, this vast consciousness of which we are a part. We are singular consciousnesses, part of this whole we are one, but at the same time, we, we are in singular, but also one at the same time. Together, we are part of Valis, part of this vast, active, living intelligence system. Um, now, sometime in his, I guess, mid-40s, Philip K. Dick had to get some surgery done. He had to get four of his wisdom teeth removed, cut out. And, um, and he had to get, well, that was a bug. If you saw something just fly by, that was a little fruit fly, <laughs> not, not an orb. I'll see if there's any more orbs in this episode when I edit and review. But anyway, um, yeah, Philip K. Dick, he got, he had to get his wisdom teeth removed and he had to get a prescription of, I imagine, painkillers. And so he returned home and, um, a, a young woman, from the pharmacy delivered his prescription to his apartment in suburban California. He lived not far from Disney World, which everyone's in California, Disney World, Disneyland, I don't know. I've never been. But the Disney Park in California, he lived near there, Philip K. Dick did. And so he was home alone. Um, I guess his wife and kids were off somewhere. And this young woman delivered his prescription to him. And when he opened the door, he, he accepted the prescription and he saw that uh, she was wearing uh, one of those Jesus fish necklaces. It was a little gold pendant on a gold necklace. It was the Jesus fish. You know what I'm talking about, surely. With the two curvy lines that look like a fish. Um he asked her what it was and she was like, Oh, this is something that, uh, early Christians used, um, in, in ancient Rome before Rome had adopted Christianity. It was when the Christians were being persecuted by, um, the pantheonic Romans and, uh, or pantheistic rather. And, um, this thing happened. This thing happened where, as she was explaining it, some light ray reflected off of the pendant, off of that gold Jesus fish pendant. It was a ray of pink light, and it entered his eyes, and he started getting these visions. Like, he, he, he saw the ray of light. And just in this moment, like trying to have this conversation with this woman. And he started getting like visions of like abstract art and um, like those philosophical thoughts entering his mind. It's not like he was thinking of it. It was like the thoughts were entering him from somewhere else and other things just like information, like science, just a whole spectrum of knowledge and information and imagery entering his mind. And for 
a couple years, he was experiencing these uh, weird visions where he would see like abstract art and he would also see an overlay as if like the world around him was actually sort of like a collective trip. Like we were all still living in ancient Rome. It's a very complicated thing. I really, I'm running out of time for this episode to get too deep into it, but he got this ray of light and something about it. And in the book, Valis, if I remember correctly, he talked about that ray of light and somehow the information coming from the star known as Sirius, S I R S S I Sirius, whatever Sirius S I R I U S like Sirius black, my favorite character from Harry Potter. And um, so he was getting this information from Sirius. Now, there's another person that I mentioned, Robert Anton Wilson, who was a writer. He also wrote some like sci-fi stuff. He was into occult kind of things. Um, and uh, he, he liked to write about like conspiracy theory stuff, although he did not subscribe to conspiracy theories. He just he used to be a an one of the head editors for Playboy magazine, he and one other guy. And um, one of the things they did were like letters to the editor and they would read these letters and they got so many wacky fucking letters from whacked out people talking about these just wild fucking conspiracy theories. And uh, so Robert and his friend were amused by it and they were like, you know what? Let's, write a book based on all this shit. And so they did. They wrote a great book called uh, The Illuminatus Trilogy. The Illuminatus Trilogy. Like the Illuminati, but it's Illuminatus Trilogy. And um, if you have, if you ever get a chance, you got to read it. It's a really fun read. And um, But before he really got into his writing career, he was living, I think, in Ohio. Uh, and he and his wife, I don't know, he was like working at a soy farm or something like that. Well, one evening he was out in this field and a ray of light zapped him in the head. A ray of light coming from Sirius, just like Philip K. Dick, a ray of light hit Robert Anton Wilson and he started getting all this information like pouring into his head like knowledge and information transmitted through the light into his head just like philip k dick that happened to robert anton wilson and there was a third person who had a similar thing happen to him and that's nikola tesla the the man who is on my shirt or who's depicted on my shirt nikola tesla before he created um the alternating current motor he was like out walking in a park and in the sky he saw this like flash of light enter his head no as far as i know he never mentioned anything about the star sirius but he saw this flash of light come from the sky during the daytime and it was not the sun it was some separate flash of light entered his mind. And as he looked up in the sky, he could literally see in, in glowing uh, illustration imprinted on the sky the schematics for the alternating current motor. He didn't sit down with a piece of paper and work out the, the parts and the math and everything. He was just going for a walk. And a ray of light hit him in the head and he looked up and he saw the fucking, uh, the fucking uh, instructions for how to make it. And it wasn't just that. That's like all of his big ideas he got. He, he said he never created. He, the thing with Nikola Tesla is all of his creations. And he had so many fucking creations that we are using today. If you're watching this or listening to this through your cell phone, he was, as far as I know, the first person to conceive of an idea of a cell phone. Nikola Tesla thought of the cell phone a long fucking time before radio. Before radio, he thought of this shit. And um, all these, all these inventions and ideas that he had, he said that 
He didn't have them. He was but a conduit. The information came from elsewhere, from some other intelligence out there, wherever there is. Some other intelligence transmitted the information to him. He acknowledged that these weren't his thoughts. He was just receiving them. He was a conduit receiving and interpreting them and translating them into our world, into the form of, for example, alternating current, which our fucking world runs on, dude. Electricity, as we know, it would not be possible. Thomas Edison is the one who introduced direct current. And I'm loath to say that he invented it because Thomas Edison was notorious for stealing other people's patents. I doubt that Edison, Thomas Edison, even had any patents of his own at all. The light bulb. He fucking stole the light bulb patent, okay? Thomas Edison was a piece of shit. If you have ever heard of this show, if you haven't heard of this show, there's there's a show called Drunk History, and there's at least a couple episodes about Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla. And they're about what a piece of shit Thomas Edison was and what a fucking uh, anomaly Nikola Tesla was. And I can tell you, I myself, I don't want to compare myself to Tesla or Dick or uh, Wilson, but I must tell you that Whenever I am in flow, whenever I am creating something, a song or writing something or getting some like big idea that turns into something cool art, art wise, I don't think this stuff. It just comes to me. The information just comes to me from somewhere. I'm not going to say that I thought that information up. It's It literally feels like I receive this information and then I just kind of like, I'm a conduit and I translate it, you know, into our physical world. Interesting stuff, dude. Interesting fucking stuff. And maybe there's all sorts of information out there. Maybe take some time. Take 30 minutes sit by yourself, turn off your TV, get away from your computer, unplug, don't have a book, just sit by yourself for 30 minutes and just sit alone in a room and uh, see what happens. Ask yourself, whose thoughts are these? Hopefully you're not schizophrenic. However, even a healthy mind Maybe not all of your thoughts are your own. Maybe you're receiving some thoughts, you know, maybe thoughts fly around like radio waves and we are transmitters and receivers, conduits, cool shits. Okay, now uh, on to the fun question from Jaime, my <laughs> the one guy who usually sends me questions. Um, and Jaime, buddy, keep sending them, dude. Thank you for watching this show and supporting it and everything. And now Jaime asked, uh, do you think bees know that they will die when they sting somebody? I honestly, I can't say, man. I can't say. It would be interesting if they did know that they would die if they were to sting somebody. Because then, you know... That begs the question, like, what's going on with the bee's mind at that point? Are they saying, like, this is it, I have to survive? Or are they just, like, do bees get just so fucking pissed off? They're just like, I'm going to I'm gonna fucking kill myself and fuck you up at the same time kind of a thing. Is it a kamikaze kind of a thing? Are bees kamikaze pilots? Are they jazzed up on, on uh, methamphetamines? put into a tight situation where they're, they can't get out or if they go back to the hive they're going to be you know have to commit seppuku harry carry hey hey if you were a hot dog and you were starving to death would you eat yourself i know i would not not that harry carry i don't know i don't know i don't know if anyone knows if bees 
know that they will kill themselves. I haven't looked it up. Like I said, I, I didn't really prepare for this episode. I rarely prepare for any of these episodes. I just show up and hope things work out. Um, but I've been sick and my throat's starting to hurt again. So I'm going to, I'm going to end this episode now. I, I, uh, hi, May. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I wish I had a better answer for you, bud, but I, I don't know. I don't know. If they did know that they would die, if they were going to sting somebody, though, I, I think they'd still sting people. Bees is people. People's people. Rocks is people. Everyone's people. And people can be pretty fucking dumb and desperate sometimes. So I think if bees knew that they'd die if they stung, I think they'd still do it. Uh, if the situation lent itself to being a kamikaze bee. Kamikaze bee. Ooh, Kamikaze Dude, it's so fucking disappointing about Cosby. I saw him live in Tulsa at the TPAC, Tulsa Performing Arts Center. It was a great show. Turns out, he's a fucking piece of shit. Anyway, um, thank you all for watching again. If you want to donate, you may do so at patreon.com slash that thing with James please uh subscribe to my youtube channel youtube youtube channel uh like and comment and share the show with your friends uh if you're listening to this rate and review please and share the show with your friends and uh you can find me on instagram and twitter at james j asher you can email me james j asher oh, wait, wait wait no 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 it's that thing with james at gmail.com and um, you can also visit my website, jamesjasher.com. And I will see you next week. Who knows what next week's going to be about? Stay cool. I love you. And I hope you have a good week and don't get sick. Okay. Drink lots of water. Bye.